The content in this program is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any information or other material as investment, financial, tax, or other advice. The views expressed by the participants are solely their own. A participant may have taken or recommended any investment position discussed, but may close such position or alter its recommendation at any time without notice. Nothing contained in this program constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in any jurisdiction. Please consult your own investment or financial advisor for advice related to all investment decisions. Don't forget to follow at Lead Lag Report on Twitter to join these conversations live and check out the Lead Lag Report at www.leadlagreport.com. Use promo code PODCAST30 for two weeks free and 30% off to get access to award-winning research and anticipate stock market crashes, corrections, and bear markets. And now, on to our Lead Lag Live discussion hosted by Michael Guyot. My name is Michael Guyot, publisher of the Lead Lag Report. Joining me for the hour is the TQLA girl herself, Kim. Kim, introduce yourself to the audience. I know you've done a lot of these spaces. A lot of people are probably familiar with you uh, doing these spaces, but who exactly are you? How did you get interested involved in in markets and why TQLA? <laughs> well, um, how I got into the markets, actually, I always used to work for IBM before I got into healthcare, and I had started buying you know, discounted stocks that we would get from an employee discount. And I really kind of started watching how it worked. And then before you knew it, I was getting interested with the biotech. So I invested in a lot of biotechs and things like that. And this is, we're going back like 15, 20 years, but I did it for long term. And then I probably fell into the same category that majority of the day traders now are, which is COVID came. And before you knew it, everybody was a, you know, a professional day trader. The good part was that since I did have you know, some experience in terms of researching stock and doing stuff like that, it kind of did help me quite a bit. So that's kind of how I got into it. And then as far as Twitter, I actually started last March or something on FinTwit and I was just following a few people here and there and I would see spaces that I accidentally came upon and I was like, oh my goodness, they've got, you know, these conversations going on with people who know what they're doing, um, especially the technical side. So I started following them. And before you knew it, you know, I'm definitely someone who likes to ask a lot of questions and put in my thoughts, especially if it's a, a stock that I might be familiar with or have traded in the past or have just been, you know, keeping it on my watch list and following it, especially, like I said, the, the biotech sides back then. And one thing led to another. And then one day, one of my friends, not sure if you're familiar with him, but his name's Tony. He does a lot of spaces as well. He was like, we don't have any women who do any spaces, so you need to do one, T. So kind of started like that back in June, and next thing I know, I was starting to host spaces, and we had an amazing group of people that would come in and out and just give us a lot of, you know, alpha, if you want to call it that. Some would share what their trade plans were. Some would give us an outlook on specific tickers, and some would give us, you know, the macro outlook, which prior to last year, I don't really think I focused on too much. But with all the things that have been changing geopolitically, it did kind of become important to at least kind of know it, understand it, and then keep it in the back of your head. Because at some point, it's going to be something that might affect the way the market behaves at any given time, which kind of like I follow you a lot. And you, you know, your your riddle like tweets, I try to um, solve the puzzle, but it kind of lends to that because there's things that are going on 
that are greater than us. And I think it does help us understand, okay, just because it looks like it's an update doesn't mean it's going to, you know, literally be one. It could be just that initial pop and then a lot of other dynamics that might end up taking it in a different direction. So that's kind of how I found myself doing what I do. Do you find that because your career is in the medical field, that that gave you an edge when it came to investing in biotech in those early days? Or did you find that it's much deeper than than sort of one's perception of their knowledge base around a particular industry? I do think it helps quite a bit, especially if you come from a science or healthcare background, because one, you understand disease process. That's really important. You can understand the disease process and you know what kind of medications exist and don't exist. Like, for instance, I work in oncology and I work with an indigent population. It's massive. They have every kind of, you know, cancer you can imagine. And they come to us when it's a little too late sometimes. Knowing that we have medicines, but we don't have enough medication that can help, you know, someone at this level recover, basically. So as I look at these biotechs, especially the oncology side, I really do read up on those. And I do understand what they mean when they say, okay, you know, we got to phase three trials. This is what's going on. And if Bottom line, if phase three is successful, we just found ourselves an amazing oncology med that we didn't have before, which I am following four different tickers right now. And those drugs don't exist. If they do, that can make a huge difference to a huge um, oncology population. So, yeah, I would say that um, having my healthcare background does help me do a you know more in-depth research with biotech. And I understand the lingo. So I think that helps quite a bit, too. There's also, I would think... Um make it challenging to figure out how much to wait in a position. And and the reason I'm asking that is I always go back to what you own matters a lot less than how much you own of it. And there is, I think, this natural psychological element of when you're in a field and you understand it and you're researching stocks that are also in that field, you feel more confident in the thesis, which may, might mean you take on more risk, more of a weighting than you might otherwise should. Is there some some truth to that, you think? I, absolutely. Um, I'll give you one example, unpopular um, example, but it's a great example, which is Moderna. When it, back in 2020, you know, when Pfizer and Moderna were commissioned with coming up with a vaccine, Moderna was trading for, what, 10 15 $20, eventually, you know, slowly inched up to 50 60 I pretty much alerted Everybody that I knew, and this is pre-Twitter days for me, but I alerted my group that I traded with to let them know, hey, you need to keep Moderna on your watch list. It's you know something that you will definitely find success with if you if you have some patience. And those that took it realized, you know, the gains that came with it. But at the same time, the reason I was so confident with it is because one, I understand what a respiratory illness is. I also understand the trans, you know, way things transmit. I also understand how vaccines work in general in a perfect world. You know, I know exactly how everything works. So with that knowledge and knowing that we were challenged with something that we needed to come up with a, you know, some sort of solution. So we get out of the wreck that we were in as a, as a world, it absolutely helped me. And like I said, I think it helped a lot of people who, um, traded with me back then. But presumably, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, are you limiting how much you size a position, right? Because I, there, there is, I always go back to, you know, the problem where I think a lot of people get into is they end up being overconfident. And the way that translates into a portfolio is a large weighting and or ultimately leverage, right? So yeah. how, do you, how do you kind of manage risk in the context of a domain that you know well? I see what you're saying. Okay. 
again, I'll just use that one as an example because it went up and down quite a bit during the, you know, during the trial and errors until it was officially on the market. We traded Moderna as if it was swing trades versus long-term trades. I did not full port. I didn't, I've never recommended anybody to full port on anything because you just never know. I mean, one wrong phase trial and $100 stock can easily go down to $5. It, it happens in biotech all the time. So you just, you you have to be very, very careful with, with what you're getting into. You have to have that conviction, first of all. And I always tell people, just because somebody might sound like they know what they're talking about, you really still should be doing your own homework on whether you want to, because this is your money, it's not my money. You need to know where you're spending it. So that was a big thing for me in terms of how I was investing in it. So because I had conviction and I knew exactly what my thresholds were, I would invest in such a way that I would wait for the gains. And if it looked like there was something that might be causing it to go, you know, on the downside, I would trade it out and then get back in and continue on. And it took about a year doing that, but it it served well. So I hope that kind of helps answer your question. But as far as the risk management, I don't use stop losses. A lot of people do, but I also think you should know exactly what you're looking to gain. Greed can get in the way sometimes. And so from risk management, if you can um, say, okay, you know what, I'm good with this and get out when that happens, that too. I also have great examples of people who've gotten into like Tesla and apples and stuff, and they were at their absolute highs. And they refused to sell when they were high, even though everything in the market dictated that it's going to be going a different direction. And eventually, I mean, we're looking at where the Googles and the Teslas and everything ended up earlier this year. I kind of feel like that was very poor risk management. And having this relationship with the stock, I mean, never get married to one. Just date it long term if you have to, but don't marry it. That way, I feel like you can detach from it when you need to and you can make a smarter decision versus you know, bag holding is you don't want to, you just don't want a stock that costs you several hundred dollars and then not sell it when it doubles or triples sometimes only to watch it, you know, go down to 25% of what you actually paid for because you're so attached to it, I guess. Does that help? Did that help us? Was was that what your question was? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And okay. Now let's tie that into sort of day-to-day things for you in terms of the analysis that you're doing, the trades, and I assume you're, you're still an RN, a registered nurse, right? So how do you, first of all, how do you balance the trading side, the investing side with the actual job side? Because I'm going to assume, as is the case typically with most healthcare professionals, things suddenly pop up and there's crises you got to deal with, uh, with, with patients coming in. How do you, how do you balance the two? So I, I'm fortunate that the role that I currently have, it's a, it's, it's called a nurse navigator and we are, we're kind of like the fire extinguishers for everything that can possibly go wrong. Our job is, and especially because it's an indigent population, there's a lot of hand-holding that goes on. So our goal is to keep these patients on track, make sure they don't fall off the wagon of their treatment because one missed chemo or one missed radiation can literally set a patient back quite a bit, especially if they've got a much, you know, very invasive cancer. So my role is really doing that. So I don't have that, let me jump up onto the floor and run and you know, take care of these patients. So that has afforded me the luxury of being able to do, you know, the trading that I do. Now, there are days that it's just crazy. And I might be in a trade. Sometimes I have to cut my losses because if I don't, by the time I get done with whatever emergency comes up, 
I get wiped out. And I've, that happened to me a few times. I'm not ashamed to say it because, you know, I think we're all human and we make mistakes and we learn from them. But with that being said, that's kind of how I've managed it. And then there's days I like, there's some amazing days I wish I was able to trade, but I can't just because my priority is the patient. Um, my trading is second, at least, you know, until I leave the field. So with that being said, I try to make sure that if I'm trading, especially on high volatile days, I literally have time to be sitting in front of my screen to watch my trades. Um, but if I know that that's not going to happen, then I have to I essentially sit it out, which I think is still smart because you're not losing any money, right? Yeah, 100%. And, and it's interesting just given, again, that that backdrop. The um, Maybe I'm not going to characterize this the right way, but when you're a doctor, when you're a nurse and you're dealing with patients, I'm going to assume you have to which makes some sense. You have to be somewhat disconnected from the emotional pain, right, of seeing somebody suffering. Right. I mean, that's why I always give all the credit in the world to those that are in the healthcare industry. It's got to be emotionally very challenging to see, you know, what what a lot of these people see in their day to day, you know, work. That let's call it dispassionate sort of removal of the self from the patient. Does that? you think maybe give you a little bit of an edge from a trading perspective, because if you're not going to be emotional around patients, at least outwardly, maybe that actually benefits you in terms of managing your own emotions when it comes to volatility. Well, I might not be a great example for that one because I actually work in, I used to do hospice full time and it got very heart heavy. So I scaled back and I only work weekends with hospice because it, it is my true nursing love. The catch is, is if you're going to do something where you are going to be touching someone's lives, you know, for the last 10 hours of their life on this planet, two weeks, whatever it might be. And you're also holding the the family together as they go through that. You really don't have the luxury of detaching because I've seen nurses that do that, especially when you're in a very heart heavy side of healthcare. I don't like it. Like if I saw that cold or detached emotion and it was my family member, I, I really do think I would be a little bit bothered by it because that's the one time they need somebody that's absolutely human. So I do think that there are certain parts of nursing, like for instance, if I was in ER, I probably would have a detachment just because it's a whole kind of crazy. And it's it's like a conveyor belt of patients coming in with acute needs, or you know, left and right, and they don't stop. And so those you don't have time to get too attached with. No, that, that distinction makes sense. And that's, that's, that's really what I was trying to more get to, because I do think if you're going to be good at this business, you have to almost have a zen-like response to volatility and to those those pain points, you know, that come to your portfolio and you can argue that your portfolio is like a patient in some way, shape, or form. You're trying to nurture it to grow, right, to recover when it goes through through difficulty. Okay, so I named the space filtering out the noise, given some suggestions that you had. There is a hell of a lot of noise on Pinchwit, uh, oh, yes. I would argue. We'll be back after a quick break. Hello, listeners. Michael Gaia here from Lead Lag Live. Are you ready to take a deep dive into market trends, risk management, and investment strategies? Then you need the Lead Lag Report. Our in-depth analysis helps you understand the financial markets like never before. And guess what? We're giving you a chance to experience it at a discounted rate. Visit theleadlag.report slash leadlaglive and get an exclusive 30% off on your subscription. Don't miss out. Level up your investment game with the Lead Lag Report. And now... Back to our discussion. 
now again you've been at this for some time you found your your sort of approach but talk about for you as somebody who's not necessarily in the financial services field the way someone like i am is how do you how do you even identify what's noise and what's signal you know you got to filter out the noise but i don't know if it's very clear what noise is to most people when i first got onto twitter and i was listening to the spaces first it was amazing information right And I was like, ooh, okay, yes, I didn't think about that. Good, 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 good. But then came an explosion of spaces and multitude of speakers that, you know, have amazing backgrounds and expertise and everything that they say. But before you know it, you're starting to over, it's like a sensory overload, information overload. And so what you would normally narrow down and know this is exactly why and what I'm doing you start taking in all the stuff that people are saying regarding the economy, the, you know, what's going on on the other side of the world. Oh my God, you know, everything's going to crash or no, we're, we're bullish or whatever. All all that stuff kind of does get you, even if it's subconsciously. So when you then start taking those trades, sometimes that stuff really does interfere and you don't even realize it till after it's a little too late. So Again, I enjoy the macro spaces and I love the speakers that give us the data. But sometimes I also have to remind myself every like, for instance, today I am in some trades. I cannot think about what's going on on the other side of the world. I cannot think of I can't even think about what's going on in Canada or New York. Anyway, it doesn't matter because my trade is happening in front of me. And what's important is where is it going? And that's where like I, I, I have a small group of people that I trade with. We all kind of have our own expertise. And so Alex, who's up here, he's my, you know, he he provides all the technical alpha for us. He gives us zones and things like that. So as we start recognizing, okay, this is the direction the market's headed in because, you know, you got your trend days. Today, I'm really not sure what the market's doing. It's just kind of choppy right now. But at some point, it's going to make a decision. The technical's matter at that point. And anything and everything outside of that is kind of irrelevant. It's noise. But if you focus too much on that, I do think it gets in your way. Like I used to think when people said, you know, oh my gosh, this is happening. Oil's about to tank or whatever. I would run in and get these puts because I didn't understand oil. I didn't understand how it worked. I really didn't understand the macro side. And I would buy these shorts only to find out that it was accurate information, but it didn't apply to this week. It applied to like two months down the road or something like that. So noise like that can, again, like I said, really interfere with how you decide what it is you're going to trade, especially if you're day trading. Now, if it's long-term and you're going into it for long-term purposes and you're getting in at a good um, price and you have conviction in it and you're okay holding out on it for a long time, that's a whole different um, story. But as far as a day trader, you've got to filter that out. And then there's the other piece, which is and I see your tweets all the time, the ugly people, the toxic people, there's a lot of that too on Twitter. And so that can really mess with your head too. You know, you had mentioned that I did spaces and stuff. And yes, I used to, I kind of stopped doing that at the end of the year, mainly because I really didn't want to deal with a lot of the people that would come in and they just brought a lot of negativity, ugliness, you know, bad behavior. If you didn't agree with their thesis, whether it's bull or bear, it's, was full on attack mode. And that doesn't serve a purpose for anybody. And honestly, it messes with my head because I'm here to have a good time while I'm trading. And hopefully people who get information from me benefit from it too. And when 
that happens, it kind of, it ruins your day. And sometimes it really can interfere with how you manage your trades because you're so preoccupied, you know, just being flustered by what happened. Meanwhile, your trade just went south and whatnot. So I kind of feel like a lot of noise exists in various different, different ways. So getting myself with a smaller group, folks that I trust and having, you know, the various different expertise that they bring to the table has really helped me quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I'll add that. I think um, learning and arguing tend to be mutually exclusive, right? You can't really learn something if you're arguing in a loud, emotional way. And I think this is the dilemma that I myself see with Twitter spaces. Sure, you're giving everybody a voice, but I have to tell you, I mean, I, I pop into some of these spaces that have large number of people and I see the speakers and I know some of the speakers like personally, and I know they don't know what they're talking about. And I know that they're saying things that are factually not true, but people go to them and listen to them and ask them questions as if they're experts. They can't even verify if what they're saying has validity or verify their credibility. So it does create this really, I think, fascinating dynamic where, yes, you can get a lot of information. Yes, it can be helpful, but it actually uh, might really muddy the truth because of the speakers and their own understanding of the way the world works. Absolutely. And I yeah. brought Alex up here because, you know, to also add some thoughts. Now, by the way, for those in the audience, I, uh, I did not, when, when Kim said to me, do you mind if, if I, I bring my friend Alex up? I said, you know, what's his username? And I, I said that because I wanted to see if I, he was, I had blocked him and I did. <laughs> I didn't realize initially. Um, and uh, I did unblock Alex. And uh, as I always say, I'm very trigger happy on the blocking lately because last year really got to be too much, especially when, People are bringing in my father, but then not that you did that, Alex, but uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, we can we can prove to the audience here that you can block somebody and unblock them and still have them on spaces. So welcome, Alex. Yeah, no, thank you. And I, um, you know, I appreciate you unblocking me. And I um, I wasn't even, you know, I all of a sudden she mentioned uh, she was going to come on here and I was like, you know, I have spaces in a while. <laughs> and uh we realized why all of a sudden but yeah man i mean it's uh it's all good it's uh water under the bridge i'm not even honestly i i don't don't really know what it what it would have been necessarily i mean it kind of goes back to what kim's saying and not to to belabor the point but you know i i, w- I used to like a lot more tweets just in general but i noticed the toxicity as well coming across when we do spaces because we'll do spaces and trade. You know, we, we do them a couple times a week. Used to do them a little more often, but uh, we're going to get back into that again. But, you know, we, we keep it very just, I mean, some people might say it, it's boring to a sense, right? But number one, we're actually, you know, we're watching the markets talking about it, but we keep the drama just out because it's it's just, it, for me, it's the way that, it, that you want to trade, right? If I'm actively trading and I'm emotional, then I'm going to make emotional decisions and that's when I lose money. And that's um, so. So anyways, I guess just to the point, it's been a it's been a learning experience over the last year. I think the market conditions speaking on psychology is just, you know, the the fact that the market has been so difficult and so erratic. Right. And I think that has bled through to people's behavior, you know, on FinTwit and especially, you know, in the financial circles. And and I I mean the correlation just seems to be there, right? And not just the I told you so's, but when I mean it's just back and forth. And we we rip up, we rip down. No one really has an idea of where we're going exactly. We're always waiting on the next the next FOMC or CPI print, it seems. And um, you know, and I think that that's it's taking its toll <laughs> on folks here on in the financial world and especially in the uh, the trading and investing world. So 
it's good to, you know, I, I think it's good to to remember that, hey, everyone makes mistakes. You know, we can we can forgive, but you do have to have a level to the point where like, you know, if people are gonna be toxic and or aggressive, that's just I mean, there, there's not much else to to do with someone like that, in my opinion. So anyways, or, I want or, you, or you use them as a contrarian indicator, right? I mean, I always I keep using that line. It's like you you know you're right when the counter argument is an insult. And it's I wish I could launch an ETF around that. Right, because I, I can't quantify it, but it's just been kind of my observation. And by the way, the, the point you referenced, the I told you so, I think is where it hurts everybody to think in those terms. So you have two different viewpoints. And let's face it, everything in markets is an opinion. Okay, even when you're doing quantitative work, the quantitative analysis in the small sample is quantitative in that it's rules, but it's, but it's still is an opinion about a likely short-term scenario, right? So the problem with the line of thinking of I told you so that I see with a lot of people on FinTwit is – one, is based on a single roll of the die. Two, it makes somebody feel bad when they're already suffering financially from you know, the outcome not going their way. And it, it just it's a strange dynamic. I don't, I don't know why there's this constant feeling of having to tear somebody down who probably did end up having the right process, but the outcome didn't go their way. This is, where, this is why I myself refuse to try to participate in a lot of spaces because I don't see how that's helpful to one's, to your point, Kim, mental state but also one's portfolio in general absolutely and i i mean i'll say kim is fantastic at kind of uh, putting into words or being able to look at something and say i'm just not you know this is just not healthy for me i'm not interested in continuing to do this or you know i'm just not going to deal with this shit anymore right and it's um i think that's a strength that plays into you know not just uh it plays obviously into trading and investing and into life in general i honestly mike i think that the I think it's the social media side of things, right? Because if we were talking face to face, you know, if most of these people that can get so aggressive and negative, right? It's if you're face to face, a lot of these conversations or a lot of these explosions wouldn't have happened, right? Because it is one thing to say, hey, I told you so. I, I mean, look, everybody has like we place our bets, we talk about it, you know, whatever, however you want to look at it. But the thing is, you know, when someone actually loses money, and, I, and that's probably another factor, right? That some people on here, you don't know who's actually losing money. I mean, I know, you know, the relatively small group of people that we trade with, you know, I, I tend to trust them, you, know, you grow, you learn to, to, you know, you get to know people, but the majority of people on, on, you know, on Twitter, especially, but most social media, I mean, if you're truly losing money, you do, you end up having some type of empathy because everybody's been there. Right. So I, I don't know, there's, there's a bunch of dynamics here, but Kim has been great at, um, you know, that's what I wanted to ask her a question of, actually. I mean, I know, and you kind of touched on it. Well, you definitely touched on it, that the the medical field, you know, requires a level of empathy and emotional management, right? And that is key to risk management, at least especially in trading, but I'm sure for longer term models and just being able to kind of stick to your guns and and work through. I mean, it's if you get emotionally attached to something, you know, when it comes to the market, the market doesn't care about our feelings, obviously. The market doesn't, you know, the market moves too fast to even have to be able to kind of figure that out. Right. And I think if, I think that's such a key point here that we, you know, you have to, you have to have that trade plan. Right. And I've seen it uh, by trading with Kim. And I wanted to ask you, Kim, like, you know, we, we go over zones, right? Like I'm big on uh, supply and demand, you know, looking at charts and, and seeing areas where, you know, where prices moved in and out of these levels. Right. And these levels tend to repeat over and over. Um, so the zones work, they work really well. I mean, nothing's a hundred percent of course, but what I have noticed is that Kim will, uh, she'll, you know, she'll kind of listen to what we're saying. She'll get into some trades. And then even when it's, uh, even when we go through some turbulent time where I might stop out of something, right. And then just get back in. 
that's kind of the style that I trade. She has a tendency to hold. And I wanted to get her uh, take on that on why, you know, what, where do you think that strength comes from? You know, is that a strength that she sees that way? That's funny. <laughs> um, did you ask that? Okay. So keep in well, mind. Well, it's it, it, I'm glad you asked because it, it is interesting, right? It's, it's kind of like agreeing on the buy, but not the sell. Right. Which is which is just an interesting thing to tease out. But go ahead. So I, I think where that particular level of strength and call it hyper patience, if you want to, I deal with people who are very critical and they're dying. And I used to work in critical care with cardiac patients and I've had code blues and I've found patients absolutely unconscious on the floor and everybody's scrambling. And one thing you cannot do is panic when you are dealing with life and death. And I think that gives me the the self-control uh, in terms of being able to tolerate keeping myself calm. Like even when I lose, most people will never know that I had a bad trade day because I don't let it affect, you know, the way everybody sees me. And I think that just comes with the sheer nature of being in an environment where to me, life is priceless. And so if I can keep calm while I'm trying to keep somebody still breathing and their heart still beating, then I can definitely muster what it takes for me to hold out on that trade. So I think that's where it it comes from. It's just a internal threshold I've built up over time in, in that way. And I look at it that way too. It, yes, it ruins your day when you lose money too. And I am, you know, holding out for what I think is going to happen. But it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's a mental strength that I've accumulated over time. It's probably the best way I can explain how the healthcare no, comes in. But, 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 but it is perspective, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of hitting on it, right? It's like, all right, so you lose, you know, you're down a few percentage, you know, uh, in your portfolio in a day. Okay. But then when you're close to seeing what you have seen in your career, you know, because that's, that's what you're expected to do, right? It, it, it puts your own pain in, in perspective relative to others that are suffering a lot more. Oh yeah. All the time. Like when, and I use for me, I it's in every aspect of my life. It's not just in trading. Like it could be two years ago, I had a very bad breakup, very bad breakup. What kept me grounded was real. And at that time I was working um, hospice full time and the universe would always send me one of the most difficult type of cases. And when I say difficult, meaning it's just a very complicated situation that's going to take so much um, to make sure that this patient's last few days of life are as comfortable as possible. I see that. I do that. I'm knee deep in it. I'm witnessing, you know, the family go through the challenges they are. I'm feeling their pain because I'm with them for several hours when I initially get them onto hospice. And I recognize, you know, I'm going through heartache. And yeah, it hurts like a bee, but I'm still alive and I'm breathing and I get to go home to my family and my kids and everybody and nobody in my family is in that situation. So my heartache is tiny little thing. It's just a thing that's going to pass over time. What's not going to pass is this family's, you know, emptiness from the family member passing. So I kind of use that to help make sure that no matter how bad something is, I can still stay focused instead of wallowing in my sorrows. I, I don't let myself get caught up in a bad day or bad event. And trading is very stressful because it's it's money. It's our financial future, right? And when you lose it, it, it is definitely a stressor. But 
I don't let it beat me up because at the end of the day, there's more to life than, you know, than money sometimes. No, it's, you know what? And I just want to add something to that real quick is that uh, this is something that I've, I've talked about a little bit in the past. But, you know, like mainly anger. Right. Um, But anything that's fear driven. Right. And I mean, if you try to, like, get emotions down to the base level, it's really like love and compassion. And then the opposite of that is really fear. Right. Fear and anger. And they have scientifically shown, proven that when when our brains, when we go into a, a fear mode. Right. Our IQ drops, our level of cognition drops because, you know, our brains tend to go to that to the older part of the brain. Right. You know, I, I don't know the technical term off the top of my head, but it, it's it's truly you got to think about it in the sense that if we operate in a fear mentality, whether that's, you know, anger or um, anxiety, you know, if, if you let the stress get to you, you're literally um, retarding yourself. Right. Or you're minimizing. You're literally lowering your ability to think cognitively. And in something like trading or any other high stress environment, you know, especially like the medical field you know, that's, that's key, right? Like, that's why obviously I'm sure, you know, emergency surgeons, you know, they're, they're cool as a cucumber, as they say, you know, but it's, uh, but you can think about it. There's, there's true, you know, there's numbers that truly point, right? Scientific evidence that points to the fact that if, if we can, you can literally keep, you can be smarter just by being able to manage your, uh, your fear. So I just wanted to throw that in there because it made me maybe think of it. Cause that's, you know, I think that's what you're kind of describing there, you know, or it seems like it to me at least. Which, which by the way, I'll circle that back to the toxicity point. Right, because part of the toxicity is making you feel uncertain, making you feel emotional, which increases cortisol, which increases stress, which makes somebody physically unhealthy, which makes them think less. And Kim, I want to go to you on this. How much of that uh, dynamic on Fintwit is age-based and gender-based? And the reason I'm saying that is it's kind of the the old idea that it's a bunch of these you know finance bros right that are in their 20s that are, you know, raging in terms of their ability to trade really well, not as experienced. Uh, They think they know everything. There's this great Oscar Wilde quote. It's, you know, I'm not I'm not young enough to know everything. Right. How how much of Fintwit and the toxicity you think is maybe related to to that just demographic? So on Fintwit, like as far as um, the speakers, we, we are the women are outnumbered by the male. So if you were to do it just based on numbers, there's always going to be more men. But if you did it based on percentages of those that actually participate, I think it's across the board. With the men, it's a lot of, and I'm sorry for all the guys that are listening that I do normally converse with. I'm sorry, but you guys are all guilty of it. Um, It's an ego thing. And that's human nature too, though. Our, Our egos are always, you know, in the forefront of everything that we do. But I think some egos are bigger than others. And that gets in the way. And if you don't get your way, that's when like the, you know, the rudeness, the yelling, the screaming, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, you said this and you said that, and it hasn't happened yet. I mean, it's across the board when it comes to the men. So that's really the argument I hear over and over and over. It's like proving who is right. On the women's side, it's a lot of cattiness, which is unfortunate. Now, for me, I've always had a larger male population as my friends growing up. So I wasn't surrounded by a lot of females. So I didn't get caught up in too much of that. Coming to Fintwit, <laughs> I feel like I, it's making up for all the years I didn't have to deal with all of that because it's it's there and it's select few, but they're there. And I, I, again, we're all in our, well, at least I think most of the speakers that come up there at least in their 30s if not into their 40s and up upward bound so the age 
range that behaves the way they do. I, I'm like, are you like a high school kid locked up in a 50 year old's body? What's, what's going on? Because they really do show a side that typically is not normal for their age. It's, I'm like, do you go home and talk like this? Is this how you literally talk to people in front of your children? Especially if you know that that person has children or you talk to women this way. Do you, is that how you go home and talk to your sister, your mom, your wife? I'm like, how the hell are you still married if that's how you behave? You know, all this sort of stuff like goes through my mind when I hear it and experience it sometimes, um, which is unfortunate. And then there's the, the male side, which sometimes they don't like women being right or, or the fact that they think that women aren't going to stand up to them. And here comes one that is going to stand up to you. And it, unfortunately, it doesn't always work out to your benefit if you do try to stand up for yourself because the ones that come at you, they're like, um, what do you call it? Like little energizer bunnies that are just going to keep coming and coming and coming. And the best thing for you to do is just say, you know, I'm done. Peace out. And don't talk to them. And I, I like you. I don't, I haven't blocked a lot of people. There's probably five people on my block list, but I don't, I did not hesitate to block them when time came for me to do so. My block list is a lot larger. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back after a quick break. Foodies unite with How You Dish. It's social media with a secret sauce. Food, the world's first network for food enthusiasts. How You Dish connects foodies across the world. Share kitchen tips and recipe hacks. Discover hidden gem food joints and street food. Find foodies like you. Connect, chat, and organize meetups. How You Dish makes it simple to connect through food anywhere in the world. So, how do you dish? Download How You Dish on the Apple App Store now. Sorry, I got out. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say she's. Uh, I was gonna say Kim is good at that, just kind of being like, "Hey, you know what?" We. I will say this. Um, I just want to throw this in, just just to keep things positive or to look at. You know, you do want to find the positive side of things, and there are a lot of good discussions that go on um, that I've found. I will say that it's good to reach out. You know, one of the the biggest things that we don't want to do is fall into an echo chamber, right? So debate is good and healthy. But you do have to keep, um, you know, you have to be civil about it. I and at least I, I think so. And I mean, you know, and when we do spaces, we have uh, we we've had we've had really good times on them. Again, we we just kind of push the drama out. We don't tend to get a lot of it, but I'll tell you, man, I, I think the way you manage your, uh, I, mean, you, I mean, we can joke about a block list, but at the same time, you know, your discussions tend, you know, they tend to be relevant. They, you know, you just cut the bullshit out right away. I've seen a few other people do this, and it's it's effective, right? So it really comes down to the hosts. And I think the group of people that you hang, you know, that you, that you surround yourself with. So, I mean, that's where the group that Kim and I are part, you know, that we, we kind of created, or she has, she has like a side, she has her own kind of group that we all kind of come together. And uh, there's always healthy debate inside of them and discussion, right? So it's, it's really just, I don't know, you get in, you just have to kind of pick and choose, right? But I don't want to, I think it's important to to focus and to kind of seek that out because there are great discussions, right? Like the spaces that you're doing, Mike is, you know, I've, I mean, like I said, I hadn't heard them in a while and now, now I know why, but I, you know, there's been uh, some really good speakers. Yeah, I've been I told you why. To people. Right. Right. No, I told you why. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I know. It's, that's what I mean. I'm joking. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. <laughs> no, I know now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm teasing. I'm oh teasing. man, it was but like, well, holy shit. <laughs> but well, it, it, no, I, go I, ahead, I, man. No, no, I, I think, I think the key thing though, that, that kind of unifies all this is, is, like you've got to find people that have skin in the game. Okay, so listen, I, I last year I was very public about the hell I went through, right? So I'm very sensitive on people attacking me because it's like I'm suffering financially 
that's that's context, right? In the context of what I myself kind of put out there and why I frame things the way that they're framed them. Same thing with you, Kim. Same thing with you, Alex. You know, I think the key thing is you've got to find people that have skin in the game and that are respectful of others that are in the arena, right? And I think, and Kim, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. One way to identify if somebody has skin in the game is if they're public about their losses, right? Because you're going to always have people that will pound their chest about how good they are and how great this trade is, but they've they're talking about a 200 percent uh, position or gain from something that's a half percent of their portfolio. That's not skin in the game. Skin in the game is a concentrated bet, whether it's an entrepreneurial venture or it's a concentrated investment, right? So, for you, Kim, you know, how do you first of all, how do you even meet Alex to know that he's you know one of the guys that has skin in the game? <laughs> Let's get into that origin story for a second. But uh, just how do you how do you even know who to follow? Right? Who has the skin in the game? Trial and error over a year of being in various spaces and reading their tweets and conversing with them. I mean, talking to people is, I mean, I don't, I don't know if, you know, I, sometimes I just wonder if people haven't figured it out, but communication, if you can put your cards on the table and just talk to each other, like, you know, you're human beings trying to fight, you're fighting the same battle and the enemy is the market you, and your goal is to, to win then why can't you just talk like your teammates versus adversaries? Because that's what it kind of turns into. And I guess going through the different spaces, speaking on them, hosting them when I did, I got to learn who was genuine with what they were speaking of. Because we would have side conversations too and things like that. So you get to know people as you talk to them. So I think communication was probably one of the big key factors in how I got to know who and who I kind of wanted in my specific circle. So that that's kind of how it worked out for me. Um, and again, the benefit of having hosted spaces and then helping co-host them, I just by sheer nature was exposed to a lot of speakers and got to interact with them. So I got to know who the, you know, the characters that I would definitely want to, you know, communicate with all the time and have them you know, teach me whenever there's an opportunity and I can run an idea by them whenever I've got a question on something. So I think that was probably the the key piece of is the communication. Now, as far as skin in the game and knowing who's what, we all, you know, knowing who who really is trading with us and not just blowing smoke or whatnot. The group that we have, we literally run our trades by each other. We're like, okay, we're doing this. Here's the levels. Here's this like traders, aka Alex is probably my biggest resource when it comes to the absolute technical stuff that I really want to make sure I have, you know, completely um, black and white as much as possible. Because when I take these trades, I want to make sure I'm getting into the right time and exiting at the right time and or knowing that these levels are coming up. Hence, how do I, you know, stay in the game a little bit longer than others who might sell a little bit earlier? It's just one, understanding that to having somebody who um, can provide you the knowledge that you may not be completely strong with. So my strong suit is not the technical stuff. Um, but one of the things I learned when I worked for IBM was it's not what you know, it's do you know who you can go ask and get the right answer from to, in order to be able to do what you have to do. So it's leaning on the resources that you have. And we all bring something to the table in our group. We talk about the good plays and we even, believe it or not, we even be like, oh my God, that was a horrible day today. We take, you know, we trade live so much together. And of course we're, we're day trading and doing short-term swings. So, um, you know, we're able to do that. That, I mean, we're, we're talking about ideas, right. And saying, Hey, I'm looking at this level. Okay. I'm getting into the trade. 
So it's like, you know, anybody that's like following along or that listens to us long enough, kind of like the whole thing, the process is all there. And I think that that type of transparency um, and, and it's it's available to us because we're doing, you know, we're taking these shorter trades. Right. I mean, obviously, if you're building up an investment that's uh, going to last for, you know, over a you know, period of months to to years, you know, it's a little bit harder to do. Right. Obviously, there's other ways to show your skin in the game, though. But I do think that's that level of uh, of transparency or exposure like you just if you're there long enough you kind of see if it works or it doesn't right because it's like hey i'm getting into this let's see not you know i mean tweets and i get it i mean i you know putting out tweets it becomes like a job to be like hey i'm getting into this right and it becomes kind of a thing where i'd rather just go on spaces and be like hey you know come trade with us hang out you know have a discussion talk about things you're doing and then so i mean you know putting out something afterwards saying hey you know this trade worked out this didn't is good I don't, I don't know. I very rarely do I, t- I show like, I just, I'm not a big fan of like showing profits and shit. Like, I don't really, I don't mind it. I don't care if people do that. It's just one of those things where it's like, come like hang out and, um, you know, see how we trade. And then if that's something you're interested in, then, you know, we can go from there. Right. I mean, that's, uh, that seems like a much more genuine way. And I think, you know, tequila has been, Kim has been, uh, you know, a big part of that. She's been co-hosting spaces with me. I mean, for a long time, really, we kind of, hooked up and, uh, you know, a good group kind of came together, you know, and I think people, I'll tell you, you know, as far as the toxicity goes, and Kim's been vital to this, the one of the reasons that our our spaces have kind of uh, taken off, right? I mean, they're not huge, but they're, it's a solid group of people who are actually interested, you know, and can, can converse afterwards about it. And there's the, the toxicity just isn't there because, you know, we, um, I don't know, how, how do I put it? Like we, we're constantly, like we're we're trying we're putting ourselves out there and there's just no time or room for the bullshit right because everybody i mean if you're day trading or you're doing these short term swings you're you're going to have i mean part of risk management is being able to accept hey this trade has gone against me it's no longer an interesting trade i'm cutting it because that trade even though it's a losing trade is still very you know it's vitally important you know in the sense that you cut it small in order for the winners, right, to, you know, the runners, the ones that you actually make money on to be, you know, to average out to where you're, you're making money. So, I mean, it's, you know, but I guess it's, we try to keep it very logical. And in that sense, it kind of cuts out a lot of the bullshit. So I, I think that's very helpful, but Kim's been great on that. And we've been co-hosting for a while, even though you've been working a lot lately. Um, so you haven't been as, you haven't been speaking as much, but I know you've been busy at work. So and by the way, you just connected a, a, a dot for me. You said tequila girl. It's like, I was like, TQLA, no, it's tequila. Okay. Now it makes more sense. <laughs> oh yeah yeah okay right now now, think, now it's like ah that's my aha moment okay fine that that's i learned something today on, on that end. all right so uh so, so kim um <laughs> speaking about filtering the noise uh maybe for the last few minutes here everybody here also please make sure you follow uh kim tequila girl and alex traders retreat here on twitter again i go back to the name of the space is filtering out the noise you think this banking stuff is noisy or uh, have you done it? And have you done anything uh, in the last couple of weeks? Has, has it made you nervous? Has have you just said, you know what, nothing's changed here? I'm curious, each of you respectively, uh, if anything has has made you think that this is signal versus noise with this in quotes banking crisis. When it initially, when the when the news broke, obviously that's very important because that's going to affect markets. It affected markets all over, right? Um, so it was very important to understand it, know it. I'm not a banking expert. I know how to trade. And I know where to find information to trade, but what's going on with this bank and how are they going to save a bank and all that? I don't know how, how all that, you know, all the logistics that go into that. One of the things that you see a lot is, oh, there we go, bailing these people out again, or here's this and here's that. And now you've got these 
bank run type, you know, tweets and everything going on. And then you have all these spaces where all of a sudden, you know, the people who are oil experts one week have now become bank experts this week. <laughs> Next week, they'll become more experts. You know, it's kind of like they move on with this weird expertise entitlement. And when you start listening to too much of that space, before you realize it, everything that you heard when you first understood it, and now that you've heard even more about it, you're literally like, I really don't understand what the hell just happened here because you've heard 30 different variations from 30 self-proclaimed experts who really are not in the banking industry, but they seem to be able to talk about it quite a bit. And um, and people flocked it because, you know, we're hungry for information. That's human nature. We want to learn. We We want education. We're all here for the same purpose, which is to make money. So whatever I can learn from this, it'll hopefully help me. But again, if you've got a multitude of non-experts coming on, acting like they're experts, you have just filled your head with so much noise and it's now going to really, really mess you up. Um, Because yes, that banking crisis happened, but here's the sectors that really got hurt. And then here's this other area, like right now, the way tech has been booming this past um, week and a half, it's it's insane, but it's it didn't get as impacted as the, the finance industry did. So if you stayed completely focused on just the dynamic that was happening, you would miss that this entire sector gave you tons of opportunity if you were trading, you know, any of the big tech. Same goes with like last year with the you know, Ukraine, um, Russia war, the start of it. There's only so much our brains can really process. And if you give it too much information, it's it's overload, just like anything else. Too much alcohol, too much this, too much that, too much eating. You know, you get, you feel miserable. And I, I feel like too much information can clog your your brain and now you cannot think as clearly as you normally would. So you do have to learn to be able to listen to it and then just take what you think will benefit you and then walk away. Like I literally would spend every evening listening to spaces for a long time. Uh, Past couple of months, I have become very picky as to which spaces I will go in and listen to. And even then it's limited listening. I, I, I try to do other things. I, I literally try to have a life these days instead of making spaces my life. And I think that has helped decrease a lot of this noise factor. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if you want to respond to that, Michael, or if you're, I'm happy to share my thoughts and add to that. No, my only, my, my only response would be, uh, I mean, you can call it a melt up in tech. If you want, if you want to call it a melt up, uh, I think you're okay with that. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, she's, uh, she's spot on about that. And I think, um, I think, you know, there's two, there's two perspectives here, right? So there's, there's the perspective of trading, right? And these shorter term trades, and absolutely, most of it's going, it's not, it's mostly noise, right? In that sense, except it's uh, noise that we can act on, right? We can find, um, you know, uh, set, you know, we can play others, other banks that are going to complement or um, uh, the sympathy plays, right? Or we can find the sector where, you know, the money is flowing into, like the tech sector that did just melt up. I mean, it was, uh, obviously, it was, it was astounding. And it, 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 even if it seems a little irrational to me, Personally, you know, and I understand kind of why, you know, I understand the conversation around it now, but at the same time, you know, you as a trader, you have to kind of just focus on what is the market doing in this moment, right? The other side of that, though, is, you know, as far as an investment, right? And uh, so two things hit kind of hit personally. One is uh, Bank of Ozark. I've, you know, something that I've, I'm invested in. 
I have a family member. I've, I've talked about this on spaces a little bit, but he, uh, he works there, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he keeps his cards close, you know, which is good for, you know, obviously not to share anything, but you know, I do get a perspective from it. And I know the bank is strong, but they are down. I mean, I forget what percentage, but they were, they had almost hit 50, uh, a month, you know, month and a half ago, two months ago. And they're now down at uh, thir- under 35 bucks. They actually dipped to 32 today, which is a little worrisome. You know, and it's like, and I and I did it. I do have some puts that I sold down to thirty, which I'm happy to have exercised, right? But but I'm, you know, I, I watch that with a different. I have to separate the two, right? And that's something I think we all have to do. You have to separate the two and understand that yes, there is a real issue going on. But when we're trading, we need to still kind of you know buy the rumor, sell the news type of situation. And you know, and that's that's tough, right? And definitely, I think a lot of the I think there's some great discussion on FinTwit. I do think it gets repeated over and over and over and over. And it's kind of like beating, not even beating a dead horse. It's just, it, you know, it can confuse the matter more than what needs to be, right? Like once the facts are out there, okay, you know, we need to kind of step back and, and process that information. So, you know, for me personally, I have, you know, so I have skin in the game. Plus my wife works for a, a fin market company, right? You know, she's, uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a smaller startup. Now, granted, they, they actually had had money in Silicon Bank up until uh, I think it was like three months ago and they pulled out all, but like uh, 1.5 million, you know? So it was, uh, it, which was still worrisome, but it, it was, you know, obviously the majority had been pulled out previously for other reasons, but that could have been a big issue, right? So I think that it signaled to noise. I mean, I think there is real signal in there, right? But I think also you gotta, you kinda, there's gonna be a ton of noise with it. We can use that noise as traders to our advantage if we're able to kind of step back I think the key to a lot of this is, you know, we tend to look at things subjectively as humans, right? Kind of like we're, we're immersed in our perception and it's, it's, it's important to kind of take a step back and realize that the lens that we're looking through and, and seeing, you know, what's going on in the world and in the, in the markets, you know, we want to kind of see what lens we're looking through. And, you know, when we do that, we can tend to look at things objectively, right? With an O. So, you know, if, if you don't want to be subjective, you want to be objective. And when we do that, we can kind of separate the two, um, or at least I can, or I think that I can, right? I can kind of separate the fact that, hey, I'm invested in OZK, and I also have, you know, family, you know, I have a family member that works there, and then I, you know, the whole other banking sector, you know, can affect my wife's company. But as a trader, I can also take advantage of these moves or know what to kind of move away from, you know, and and find the sectors like tech. So, I mean, it's, it really comes down to, uh, I think, you know, getting the information, right? You don't want to be blind to what's going on, but uh, but then taking a step back and really processing it on your own. I think, you know, a lot of people go into spaces, they want to hear other people tell them what's going on. And I mean, that's, it's okay to get a little bit of information, but you have to do your own research. You have to do your own thought process, right? Work through it. So that's, that's basically all I got to say on that, but thanks. As I always say, look to the left of the equal sign, which is where the pros tend to tend to go. With all that said, thank everybody for joining. Please make sure you follow Kim and Alex, and I will see you all next time. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Alex. The content in this program is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any information or other material as investment, financial, tax, or other advice. The views expressed by the participants are solely their own. A participant may have taken or recommended any investment position discussed, but may close such position or alter its recommendation at any time without notice.
Nothing contained in this program constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in any jurisdiction. Please consult your own investment or financial advisor for advice related to all investment decisions. Don't forget to follow at Lead Lag Report on X, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube, and check out the Lead Lag Report at www.leadlagreport.com. Use promo code PODCAST30 for two weeks free and 30% off to get access to award-winning research and anticipate stock market crashes, corrections, and bear markets.